When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Not Basic Blonde podcast. With podcasting industry booming right now, I'm sure so many of you are probably thinking about starting your own show. Well, I have something exciting for you. Today's guest is Krista Williams, who is co-host and co-founder of Almost 30 Podcast. Just to give you a backstory, very successful and famous Almost 30 Podcast has been founded by two friends, Krista and Lindsay, with over 350 episodes and more than 15 million downloads, the Almost 30 podcast has been hailed as the best wellness podcast to listen to right now and has been nominated for Best Wellness and Best Spirituality Podcast by iHeartRadio. So in this episode, Krista is joining my show and she's sharing the secrets how to make your podcast successful and profitable. We are also sharing our personal stories that led us to success. I'm sure so many of you ladies can totally relate to us. But before we dive in, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Hi, girl. I'm so glad to have you on my podcast. I'm a huge fan of your work and I just love it. I'm so glad to be here. I feel like we're like, I feel like we're just like sisters from another lifetime. So I'm looking forward to being here and being on the show. And yeah, just huge fan of you and what you do as well. So feeling is mutual. Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. And of course, we would love to learn more about you. So would you please tell us more about yourself and your previous career before 
you became famous with your podcast. I, famous, I don't know about that. Um, but I had a career um, in the corporate world. So I grew up in a small town in Ohio. Um, I never thought I would live in Los Angeles. I never thought I would do what I do now. It would have been too big of a dream, honestly. So I just did the normal thing. I went to college and then um, just worked in the corporate world. I worked at a marketing firm. I did consulting. I did a bunch of different jobs. But throughout my time in the corporate world, I always felt this feeling of wanting to find my purpose and wanting to um, be here for a reason and wanting to make a difference. I just... I couldn't sleep at night because I knew that there was something bigger and better for me. And when I was living in New York City with my fiance, I thought that thing was Soul Cycle. So I was obsessed with Soul Cycle. I wanted to be a Soul Cycle instructor. I was like, this is it. This is my calling. So I thought I was manifesting and I was like writing down on every notepad that I was a Soul Cycle instructor. I was the best Soul Cycle instructor, all of these things for months and months and months. I would take five to seven classes a week. I was like meeting up with managers. I was like trying to get to know other instructors. I was like doing all the things. So when I auditioned in New York for the first time, I didn't get it. I didn't get a call back or anything. And a little background, the audition process is actually really hard. It's so weird, but they have you apply and then you have to perform and then you have to go through other various parts of their process. So it's actually not as easy as people would think. But when I didn't get it the first time, I was determined to get it a second time because I thought it was my calling. I never felt more called to anything than I did with SoulCycle. Um, so I knew I had to like get an in with another instructor. I was like, I need someone to tell me how to win this audition process. So a friend of mine introduced me to Lindsay Simsek, who is my podcast co-host and best friend. And she said, you know, you should talk to her about the audition. So I called Lindsay, who I never met, and I was like, hey, will you FaceTime with me? I know you're an instructor in Los Angeles. Lindsay was an instructor in LA. I was like, I th I'm thinking about moving to Los Angeles, and I'd love to talk to you about your audition. So she told me everything on our first call together about an audition for SoulCycle and told me how to get it and everything. So between that time, I moved to Los Angeles from New York with my fiance. Um, I auditioned again. And in my second audition, as hard as I tried, I didn't get it. So I felt super lost, even more confused that I had this thing that I felt so called to do, but I didn't get it. And I continued to try and didn't get it. And in the process, I became really good friends with Lindsay. And I was telling her about feeling so lost. I felt like I wanted to have purpose and my late 20s weren't really turning out the way I thought they would be. She had just been going um, She had just been going through a really hard breakup with someone she thought she was going to marry, and um, was going through her own career transitions. You know that she had, and we started to have these really, really deep conversations together about um, purpose and about um, you know love and relationships and friendships. And we were thinking one time when we were in the middle of this deep conversation at Bulletproof Coffee in Santa Monica, you know, what if we put our conversations in public? What if we put our conversations on a podcast and just made people feel less alone? Because my whole time in my corporate career and then afterwards when I was trying, you know, for SoulCycle, I felt really alone. I felt like no one else was really struggling like I was. And she felt like people couldn't be struggling in the way that she was. 
And when we came together, we realized that we were both struggling in similar ways and that it felt really good to be in community. So that was four years ago when we decided to um, launch the show or start the show. And it's been four years. And ever since, you know, almost 30, which is what the show is called, has really grown into a community, a media brand. And really the goal is to help women in their evolution. You know, I want to support as many women as I can to evolve to be the most centered, grounded, beautiful versions of themselves that they can be. Yeah, your show is the best. Such a transition you went through, but I feel like all of us millennials and millennial women can relate to it because I went through the transition myself and mm-hmm. I never shared with anyone, but I've done, you know, I was IT project manager before and I managed huge projects and I have a lot of experience. And mm-hmm. when I had one of my projects ended, I did not have any other projects after. So I applied for 3000 jobs and wow, any, because probably universe had something better in store for me. Yes. So that's when I went blogging full time. <laughs> wow. And that's the thing is I, you know, I was, when I moved to Los Angeles, I was working at a job and then I quit and I was trying to blog full time as well. And I was actually really trying to blog full time, but it just wasn't working. It wasn't working. I was applying for jobs. I was interviewing and I felt so lost. Like I'm sure you did too, where you're like, why is this not working? Like, you know, at, at job 2000, you're like, probably like, oh my gosh, I am worthless and, and this isn't working. And you know, I think for millennial women and women that are younger, like you'd probably say the same that it is one of those things where it's like, it doesn't work until it does. And for you, you had to go through that process of applying for all the jobs to finally get to the point where you're like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to go for my dream. And, you know, I never want to tell my story and have anyone think that being in a corporate job is bad or it's not right, or it doesn't mean you're on purpose or you can help people. But what I mean to say is that like every step in the journey really does lead you closer to your passion or purpose or the place that you're meant to be. Totally. I think it does. Yeah. And you don't realize it in the moment when you're actually going through all this craziness, but then after mm-hmm. when things are laid out for you, you realize it, why you had to go through all of this. Yes. A hundred percent. You can like, you know, what is it? Hindsight is twenty twenty, And I didn't realize too that, so when I first didn't get SoulCycle the first time around, I was in New York City, I was working at a job at this um, international events company. And I was like, you know what, when I auditioned for SoulCycle, I was really bad on the microphone. I really was uncomfortable hearing my voice on a loudspeaker and just having a microphone um, in my hands. So I was like, I need to figure out how to be more comfortable on a microphone. So I would go every Wednesday during my lunch break of my full-time job to um, Uptown New York to get vocal lessons with a voice coach to help me be better on a microphone. And, you know, obviously that wasn't for SoulCycle. It was actually for me to become a podcaster and to have my life be me on a microphone. But if I wouldn't have like, you know, if I would have quit after the first time they said no and didn't try and didn't figure out another way. All of these little things I thought were leading me to soul cycle, but eventually ended up being something way bigger and better. I just had to really continue to go for it and trust the process. So true. We do need to trust the process in this kind of moment. And also your podcast is so famous. How did you make it so famous? (laughs) 
<laughs> I, it's funny. It's, I think you could probably relate, but you know, I think as a creator, you, you go from, or an entrepreneur, you go from days where you're like, I'm amazing and I am rocking it. And then the next day you were like, who am I? I'm a loser. No one knows me. I'm not doing anything. So I think that, you know, I don't have any thought of like if we're famous or not, but I think that we really grew because um, Lindsay and I have always been super honest and authentic. And we've also really, really um, leveraged community and, and been a part of and focused on community from day one. Um, we were doing events in our friend's backyard, our first year of our podcast, like no one asked us to do events, but we started to do events and we went on tour for two years. No one was asking us to go on tour, but we just did a tour anyways. So we've always really been unafraid to do things outside the box and to kind of go bigger than what we were. You know, there's really big podcasts that were going on tour, you know, but not our size at the time. There weren't any like small to medium-sized podcasts on tour, but we were like, let's just do it. So we've always been like kind of batting outside of our range and trying to go and grow as much as we can. Yeah, that's amazing what you guys do. And also, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to do projects with your friend because Mm -hmm. you you don't want to lose that relationship. And the secret that I never said, about again i'm sharing another yes. secret i started this podcast with my friend too <gasps> no way what happened i lost her along the way because <laughs> i never told that story but we just decided to go separate ways and yeah. i just decided to go ahead and do my own show because she was busy with her other projects so she couldn't actually you know commit to this one so yeah. i just decided to go on my own but how do you guys manage it because you know sometimes it's hard they it's say. hard never have a business with a friend because <laughs> you it's funny <laughs> I totally and I'm so glad you share that and like that's so relatable for people and it's so important that people know that because you know people see Lindsay and I's friendship and Lindsay is my best friend and I love her so much I felt like when I met her, there was like a missing puzzle piece in my life that she really fit. But I don't think that what Lindsay and I have is necessarily normal. And we put so much work into it. So I would say that, you know, last year, or maybe yes, last year was actually really a lot of was really hard for Lindsay and I, you know, we are people that are best friends. We are running a business together. We are 50-50 owners in almost 30 and Podcast Pro. We have a team of 12. Um, We are, you know, our dreams are together. Our money is together. Our business is together. Our friendship is together. So there's a lot. It's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of decisions and it's a lot of communication and it's a lot of uh, failures and it's a lot of successes and it's a lot of um, emotion, you know, there's just a lot behind it. So whenever people are like, Oh, I'm starting a business with my friend, or I'm doing a podcast with my friend, you would think that I would be like, Oh my God, that's amazing. I'm so happy for you because I am. But also I would say that it is really, really hard. And, you know, in last year, like I was talking about Lindsay and I were both going to therapy just to, um, really work on the trust issues we had with women on our own that were showing up in our relationship. And, um, being able to feel fully supported and seen by other women. 
we had both grown up in high school and middle school having, you know, bullying experiences with women and bad experiences with women, um, which I'm sure so many women relate to. And a lot of that trauma we were bringing into our, our friendship as adults and we were bringing into the business. So it was never blowout fights. It was never yelling. It was never bad mouthing, but it was the feeling of um, not trusting. It was the feeling of um, not always feeling supported or not always feeling like we could trust the other person. So we put so much work into our relationship with having the hard conversations with therapy. And now, you know, this year has been really beautiful because we are just in, we are better than ever and we are just fully in it and trusting, but it's taken a long time. And with our relationship to being creators, and I'm sure you totally know this, there's so many other amazing creators in the community that you want to work with. But when you're in the space, you do realize it is really hard to work with your friends. You know, not all, not everyone works in the same style or way. Um, so for the most part, I kind of avoid it <laughs> because I feel like I'm a very type A person. I like am very strategic. I'm very directive and not everyone is that way. But I mean, I'm so glad you shared what you shared because I can really relate and I can totally see that that was meant to be. Well, I like how you guys went through therapy and everything because mm. I wish many people would actually do that when they run business together. It's like very helpful advice. Actually, mm-hmm. I don't have too many women friends. Mm-hmm. I get along better with guys because <laughs> totally easier. No, no drama. <laughs> Yep. I used to, I was like that too, like my whole life, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, no drama guys are easy. They're just direct. They're, you know, they don't judge you all these things. I totally relate to that. And I, I made that a point in my life where I was like, I want to, to open myself up to women. And I want to open myself up to trusting women because I felt the same as you. And it's been really beautiful and healing to feel like there are women that are really cool and are easy in that way and are like supportive you know because it's a journey that we're all on and to find sisterhood like that is powerful i got involved in blogging i definitely realized that definitely become better now i have so many friends and huge community (laughs) of women (laughs) but you know before it was totally different perception for sure and also when you guys build your podcast, and did you have any challenges along the way? And what, your, what were your biggest challenges? Yeah, so building almost 30, um, I think for the first two years, so the first two years of, of doing the podcast, we were working full time. So I was working a nine to five in downtown Los Angeles. So I had a two hour commute every day. And then I had my nine to you know, five or five thirty job. Um, so with that, it meant, you know, we had to figure out recording schedules. We had to record at night on weekends. I had to, um, be sick a lot. I had to go to the doctor a lot. We had to really figure it out. And so did she, um, as a soul cycle instructor. So that was just really, really stressful to build something and feel really obsessed and passionate about something while working a nine to five that I wasn't passionate about. So I felt like I could never, um, I just could never be myself. I felt like I could never relax. And I felt so driven to this thing. And that really caused a lot of stress between Lindsay and I and stress in the business because she had no time. I had no time. And we felt so obsessed with this thing. We had to keep going. But really, it's funny because I feel like now, you know, we had the first two years were super hard building everything. And then this past year has probably been, you know, another really hard time for us with 
going digital with everything. We were supposed to go on tour this year. We were supposed to do all these things, traveling and being on the road and had all these projects. And we had to basically scrap them all with the, with quarantine and we had to move everything digital. We had to basically do everything from home. And we also have had weird things happen with legal stuff where we've had to do a lot of cease and desists. And we had someone as an example um, on iTunes two weeks ago, rip off um, our name, Almost 30. So when you search Almost 30 on iTunes, you find a lot of podcasts that are called Almost 30 and something else, Almost 30, something, something, which technically we can't um, file a case for. It's not really worth it for our, our legal team to take action against someone that's kind of using our name. But there was someone that put up a podcast that just said Almost 30. It was called Almost 30. And when we looked to the description, someone on our team had sent it to us. They're like, hey, you should check this out. And so we looked at the description and it was our exact description of our show written in the description. And then when we go to play episodes, there was like 30 something episodes. Each of the episodes was five or so minutes long and they had taken parts of our actual audio from our show, like very personal stories that Lindsay and I had told over the years and just put like tiny, like, basically parts of each of our episodes that were very personal stories. So this was something that we had never seen before. Someone directly ripping our show name, our description, our audio. And it just is one of those things that, you know, you never think about when you're growing your show or, you know, when you're two years in, but then when you do get a show that's successful or whatever, people do stuff like that. And it's just kind of, been interesting to kind of navigate those weird situations. Like, what do you do? What's the next step? What legal action can you take? I feel uncomfortable. Someone's taking your, your work and all these things. So it's interesting because, you know, people always say like new level, new devil, like with every level that you get, there's like a new problem. And I'm sure you seriously can relate. And I've really felt like that as we've really grown that each level comes with different challenges. Yeah, it does. Wow, that's a crazy story. I never thought like someone could actually copy and get your audio and stuff and with podcasts. I mean, with content is different story, but with podcasts, wow. I know. Is that it was it was so weird because it was weird to hear my voice on someone else's like quote unquote podcast. Like it it made me almost uncomfortable. Like I was like, oh, I'm hearing my voice on someone else's like podcast. It was so weird. Yeah, and you know, I already had some ripoffs too. Like somebody got my song that one I have on my beginning uh, ending. Yes, somebody already got them on their podcast, and I I seen it in somebody else's story. They posted it, and then I went to the podcast that I hear my song. I was like, wow. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, our we get DMs all. I'm sure you do. We do too. We get DMs all the time. They're like, hey, this person's using your music. We're like, yep. It's like always like a mattress company or something hilarious. It's like like doesn't fit we're like okay I think we'll just let it slide I guess <laughs> I was afraid of all these legal issues that's why I keep everything yeah. under not basic blonde name because I have everything under that name and it's you know trademarked it's still in the process but it's still you know because I knew if I would establish a brand somebody would want to have you know the same name or something Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. If you need, I'm sure you have an amazing trademark lawyer, but we have a pretty good trademark lawyer. And I would say that for any business owner, you know, if you're a business for like over a year or so, definitely get your trademarks going because it wouldn't shut down the business, but it can be really bad if you're using someone else's trademark without knowing, 
or, you know, someone takes yours because that's, especially in the social space, that's your, that's your brand equity. For someone who wants to start podcasts, what is your best advice? Yeah, I would love to hear yours too. Um, so my advice is to start recording yourself on your, you could start recording yourself on your, on your iPhone, on the um, voice recorder app just to start really getting in the mode of like speaking as if you were on a show and just testing it out. And then, you know, Lindsay and I recorded for probably about six to seven months, a bunch of different concepts, ideas, show segments, show styles, voice styles, intro styles uh, before we launched. So we really were trying to our best to figure out what was going to work, how our cadence was going to work. So all that to say that for people that want to start a show, just start today and start to think of show titles, start to think of what your show concept would be about, who the ideal listener would be, um, what your ideal audience would be like, what your show cover art would be like, get really dreamy. And I think what stops people is that, you know, they get too many steps ahead of themselves and they start to think, okay, so how am I going to promote it? Now I have to create an Instagram and then I have to do all these things. But really, it just starts with like the basics of the concept and the idea. And then you can go from there to the creation of the name, the cover art, um, and really doing all the behind the scenes stuff before you even actually start recording. But you really have to be someone that's going to go out of your comfort zone, be unafraid, and be willing to like have your voice heard. Yeah, that's a great advice. I love it. You know, you want to hear mine. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I didn't know how much work it would take. <laughs> and uh, I, oh, I know. <laughs> so yep. It's actually, you need to have a lot of time available because it's very time consuming. And mm -hmm. as far as you actually guys went very deep with recordings and stuff, I didn't even think of that. I just started <laughs> and I just yep. started doing it, not even thinking of, any of that I was like I'm perfectionist but then you know I don't start so many projects because I'm too perfect trying to figure out stuff so I was like at this point I will just start and I will learn in the process I love that that's amazing it's so true and I that is something like you know advice and just a warning like people think that it's just like talking for an hour it's so much more than that especially if you want to you know make it a business yeah, definitely. And for your guys' experience, what's the best way to grow audience? The best way to grow an audience. So for us, we really grew our audience um, first by cross-promoting with other amazing uh, people in the space. So we had, you know, the first couple months, we had really good guests on like Kelly Levesque and Danica Breichat and Lacey Phillips. So we were really growing with those people at that time. So it was really nice because we were like early on in our podcasting, they were early on in their businesses. And so we really got to grow together with, you know, what was um, just kind of like new concepts and ideas like manifestation and like the Fab Four and like, um, you know, what Danica Breisch is doing in body image. So having those unique guests on that are going to cross promote, I think is really important. And then I think for Lindsay and I, we also really focused again on community. We focused on having that two-way dialogue with our audience where they felt like they were a part of our show. They felt like they were a part of our lives. And we really made everyone or, or seek to make everyone that listens to the show feel really seen and heard. So we do that by 
um, connecting with them on Instagram, connecting with them in our Facebook group, um, always responding to every DM, you know, being really thankful and gracious because we are of everyone that listens to our show. So I think if you have an authentic desire to help people and you really make that known through engagement that you will grow. Yeah, Yeah. I think so too. And how do you set your show for long-term success? I think this is, I love this question because I, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately with, um, podcast pro. So Lindsay and I created podcast pro, which helps people to um, launch, grow, or monetize their podcast. We basically just give everything that we've learned in the past four years, because we felt like we wish we would have had this resource when we were growing, but we're doing this coaching program with the accelerator group, uh, with, with a small group of accelerator podcast pro people. So these are people that really want to grow and monetize their show. And I realized that in these conversations, everyone is so focused on making it a business, or they're always focused on monetizing or getting sponsors or quitting their full-time job. And, you know, I can very much relate. I think I was really focused on being able to quit my full-time job in the end because I wanted so badly to make this my full-time thing, but it really brings us out of the present moment and the work that needs to be done here and now. And I think people skip too many steps in their journey and they're trying to monetize too early, or they're trying to Um, focus so much on having their podcast be the out for them to get out of their job instead of really like leaning into the content, leaning into their passion for doing what they're doing and focusing on the here and now, instead of focusing on like what they want to happen in, in the future. And I really say that because it takes a lot longer to do all these things than I think people know, like you said, it's a lot more work than I think people know. And it takes a lot to be a really successful show. It takes a lot to be successful in the digital creator space. So by thinking too far ahead, you kind of get lost and you could become unmotivated. So I really think that people should really just focus on what's next for them, the immediate next step instead of so far in the future. I agree with you. I think you need to put your heart and soul into it so people can Mm -hmm. actually see it that you really care at providing great value for everyone so they can actually, you know, admit it and value your show. Yep, 100% agree. Yeah, and talking about monetizing, actually, when is mm-hmm. the best time to monetize it and what is the best way? Like, how far along you need to, like, think about monetizing it? Yeah, so for monetization, I think Lindsay and I monetized after... Um, a little over a year. Um, And what we did first, actually, before we made money was we did trades. So we found, as an example, this really cool, um, like, festival, it was in California. And it was like an artist festival that we wanted to go to. It was like a three day festival when we were allowed to go to festivals. Tickets were like $600. So we were like, hey, we have a podcast, we have this many listeners, we'll do a trade and promote your festival if you allow us to go for free. So we did things like that where we would find brands with things that we wanted and do trades for ad spots to kind of get in the flow of working with brands and then also get in the flow of having ad spots, introducing brands to our uh, community and really just like getting our feet wet with the brand partner space. And once we were at a place where we could make money, I think our first ad spot we sold for like $250 and it was with a brand that I had worked with through uh, my blog. So it was a brand that we knew, a brand that we trusted and a brand that trusted us. So we 
started really small. And I think, you know, our first couple months we made like $500 or something like that. And I remember being so excited because I was like, oh, this is a great side hustle. Like I'm going to make a couple hundred dollars a month and all these things. And then, you know, we just kept continuing to um, really service the brands that were working with us, even when they, when they were paying not a lot of money. Um, we continued to grow the community. And over time, I think, you know, at the two-year point, me and Lindsay were able to quit our jobs. But we really, I really think that each person's monetization strategy is going to be different based on your numbers. Because, you know, if you're someone that was on The Bachelor and you're creating a podcast right after the show, you're going to have that built-in audience of hundreds of thousands of people. And so you'd be able to monetize off the bat because they already know you, they already you know, you already have a built-in audience and it's really easy to have like an established show right away. But if you're someone like Lindsay and I, who started from scratch, we had to wait until a little over a year to monetize till we had the numbers, until we had like the systems in place to support brand partners. Um, you can monetize your podcast in, you know, a variety of ways. You can do it with affiliates. You can do it with um, sponsored ad spots. You can do it with bringing back people back to courses or programs that you have. There's multiple ways that people monetize their show, but I think people really should think about what's best for them and what's best for their audience. So say you have a health podcast and you're an affiliate of something like of something like IIN, which is the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. It would be great for you to be an affiliate of them and then promote them on your show where you get a great affiliate payout of like, maybe 500 or a thousand dollars each time. Cause if you have a small audience and you're, you know, converting one or two of those people of maybe a hundred downloads per episode, you could make really good money. So I think this is something that's very personal and has to feel really natural for whoever it is that wants to monetize their show in whatever way. Yeah. That's a great information. It helped me a lot because I already had built audience and I already had yes. was working with friends, but still, I mean, for those who just starting from scratch, it's definitely it takes time to build relationship. A hundred percent. Yeah. And exactly. And so basically what you were just doing is building the relationships on a different channel and then you kind of b- could bring them over or you brought them over. So if someone doesn't have any relationships or brand relationships, you really have to start from scratch with establishing those and it takes time. Yeah, it does. And how important is to have strong show notes? Show notes. That's such a great question. Um, I don't think it's as important as it used to be. I think it used to be really important um, when podcasts, when there weren't as many podcasts out there. And I think that because there are so many podcasts and shows, I only think it's really important if you are going to give them codes to sponsors. So that's really a priority for us is to really give the information about sponsors so that we can service our sponsors by having them in the show notes. So when we say, hey, go to our show notes for a discount link, then our audience can go get that discount link. And then we're supporting our sponsors and we're supporting that relationship with those show notes. But otherwise we don't put a lot of time and energy into show notes. Our really main goal is to provide a summary of the show, summary of the guest, and then bullets of what we talk about. So we keep ours pretty brief, but there's really great podcasts like Rich Roll who do really beautiful long show notes. So it's really up to the host and the show. But for us personally, it's actually not that much of a priority. Yeah, because I see some people have very short description and brief description and some people really have a long description. What do you have for yours? I've listened, but I haven't seen your show notes. I have long show notes. I do put a lot of time into it, probably. (sighs) 
students. You're so sweet. <laughs> that's like so kind. I need to look at that. I see, but that's the thing. If you enjoy it and you like writing, it's like, heck yeah, write those beautiful long show notes. For me, I'm like, oh, I just want to speak what I say instead of writing it. <laughs> I did too, but I thought it was more important before. But now, of course, I got more information and insights on podcasting. So now I know it's not. And, you know, I see different podcasts doing different things. So now I probably, I started doing bullet points in some of the episodes now, but before I used to do like really long ones. (laughs) I love that. You're like, see, that's the thing, you know, with podcasting, it's like record the show, edit the show, do the show notes. Like it's the show notes take a while too. If you're doing really long show notes, like you said. Yeah. And do you think it's important to have your podcast on video as well, or just for a podcast audio, it's kind of the most important? Yeah. So we do on um, YouTube as well. And and we really started to do that this year. So it's been four years in, and now we are bringing our content over to YouTube. Um, So our main audience lives on iTunes. And so for anyone with a podcast or Apple podcasts, Anyone with a podcast can see on the back end of their um, platform, maybe it's Libsyn, uh, where their people are listening from, whether it's Spotify or SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts or, you know, other channels. Most of our audience is from Apple Podcasts because that's where we started, but now we incorporated video and YouTube. I think if you can make it happen, make video happen and make it soon. But if it's going to stop you from creating a show and if it's going to, you know, hinder you from speaking your truth or feeling comfortable, then don't do it. I think it's something that people should only do if they feel comfortable and excited about it and not feel like something that they, it's something that they have to do. Yeah. And how do you guys select your guests for your show? Oh yeah. So the guests for the show, um, we do it really intuitively. So Lindsay and I will just always be on the lookout for someone um, or something to talk about that's really interesting and relevant for our audience at the time. So this year, we've really been focused on, you know, specific topics that are really in the collective or really that people are talking about right now. And then usually people that we've met in person and that we know really well and that we feel would have a good rapport. But we usually are really intuitive with it. And over the past four years, have learned to be much more discerning than we would have maybe been in the future when people first started pitching us and we were just grateful to be pitched. (laughs) You know, as many years podcasting industry has been in already and as many podcasts out there, there's still not much information on podcasting, like, you know, how Mm -hmm. to audience, how to do this, how to launch, how to all these details. And I know you guys launched the podcast pro Uh, Would you please tell us more about it? Oh, yeah. When we started, we couldn't find any resource for podcasting. Um, Being in the blogging space, which I'm sure you know, I felt like I could find resources for how to start a blog or how to work with brand partners or how to edit photos or all these things. But in podcasting, it felt like I didn't see any resources that were available for how to launch your show or how to cultivate a community or how to work with brand partners or how to create a media kit or all these things that we had learned over the years by trail and error, by messing up or by doing things right every once in a while. So 
when we created Podcast Pro in 2018, our intention was really to help people launch their podcast, feel good about it, and then eventually grow it so they can make money. And it's been really beautiful to work one-on-one with podcasters through our accelerator program or through the digital course that we offer on Podcast Pro. So Podcast Pro is digital courses. It's also downloadables and resources like templates, or social media guides or anything like that. And then you have the one-on-one coaching with the accelerator program, which is really Lindsay and I working specifically with podcasters um, each week through like group calls and a bunch of other things. Um, But it's been really fun. And I think that podcasting is really growing, but it's also just getting started. And I think it's such a beautiful medium for people if they feel like they have something to say and they want to get heard. Um, So everything we have at Podcast Pro is at yourpodcastpro.com. That's Y-O-U-R podcastpro.com. And we have all the courses and downloadables and resources there. Oh, that's amazing. And for those who are starting podcasts or thinking about it, how many episodes a week is it great to do? Oh yeah, that's a great question. I would say however many episodes is going to let you be consistent for at least three months. So if you're going to do them bi-weekly and you will do them bi-weekly, I think that's great. If you're going to do twice a week and you will do them twice a week, every week for three months, I think that's great. I think people can get overwhelmed if they're committing too much at first. So I would say starting out with one a week, I think that's more so the industry standard, but just making sure that you're being consistent and that you aren't missing you know, a week or two, it's fine to miss every once in a while, but you don't want to consistently miss because you might miss the opportunity to really make that like trusted connection with your community. Yeah, I agree. I think two episodes is doable, but sometimes even Mm -hmm. that comes to a lot of time. (laughs) 100%, 100%. And yeah, I mean, it's, we've done, it's funny, we've done one for four years and we did started doing two, two years ago. And I still can't believe it sometimes that we've managed to get an episode out every Tuesday for four years. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. For those who doesn't know what podcast is, it's very hard. Even even one episode <laughs> a week, it's still something to <laughs> I think that's what people are gonna leave this leaving me like I thought I wanted to start a podcast, but now I don't. <laughs> well, a lot of time, patience and dedication, if you're like very goal oriented. That's the best. A hundred percent. Yes, it is. It's like, it's rewarding and it's amazing. And I think for you and, you know, at the beginning and definitely for me, um, it's learning like a new skill. You know, I had never worked with audio equipment. I had never, um, spoken like that in public so much. And there's just so much of it that you really just learn along the way. But a lot of the skills within podcasting are really transferable outside. Like this conversation now, being a good interviewer, asking the right questions, listening. Um, so there's skills that apply to so many different areas of your life, which is also really beautiful. I totally agree with you. That's so true. It, it does benefit you in so many ways. And it's definitely the best thing you can do, especially now when it's podcasting industry is so popular. So. It's like booming because it's still relatively new compared to blogging. Blogging is kind of like already in the total blooming uh-huh. and this one is still kind of relatively new right mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah. it's definitely great time to start now especially in quarantine <laughs> it is I think too there's been so many people starting 
quarantine, which is fun. And what I love about podcasting the most is that um, with Instagram and a lot of times with blogging, it's so like data focused, you know, for brands, it's like, how many followers do you have? How many likes do you have? All these things that are numbers that people can see publicly. And I love that on a podcast, all the data is like behind the scenes. So it's not like everyone knows everyone's numbers. So it's like, we can create really how we want and only we know, you know, what the numbers are. So you're not being judged. Like your podcast doesn't have like all the numbers of your downloads right next to it, which kind of can skews people's perception of you or your show. So you can just really create as you want. And if you just start a show and you have one listener, no one knows. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, I see some podcasts they posted in bio, like, do you, should you share analytics? I mean, does it benefit you in any way? Because I know some podcasters, they do, and they just let you know, oh, I'll have such and such. But I mean, to me, I think it's, it's fine if you share it and it's fine if you're not, it's totally up to person who's doing it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think it's up to whoever wants to do it. If you want to put your numbers out there, put your numbers out there. We're, we'll, we're happy to share our numbers with our partners and with our agents and stuff like that. But it's just, I love that. It's like not as numbers focused and really about like what you're creating, but if they want to share numbers, everyone's, everyone's free to do whatever they want. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And like you said, Instagram game with likes and followers and all that is just, yes. It is too number oriented. Hundred <laughs> percent. It's like, oh, some days I'm just like, I need freedom from these numbers. I know, I know. It's crazy sometimes. Where can our listeners find you? Your social handles, all the information. Oh yeah. So um, almost thirty is almost thirty on all places that you listen to podcasts. We talk about health, wellness, spirituality. Um, we've been having a real spiritual kick this year. So we're just trying to support people in, um, you know, the stress of quarantine and everything like that. But it's my best friend, Lindsay and I, and we try and be really funny and relatable and all the things. And then um, it's almost 30 podcasts on all socials. Uh, For me personally, it's at it's Krista. So I T S Krista on Instagram. And then I have a website, it's Krista.com, which I update very unregularly. So (laughs) my consistency does not apply to my own blog. Um, And then for anyone that wants to start a podcast, you can go to yourpodcastpro.com and there's actually tons of free resources. So even if you're just thinking about starting a show and want to sort of dip your toes in the water, we have tons of free stuff for you there. Nice. Thank you so much, Chris. Such a lovely conversation. Oh, I'm so excited. Let me know when you share this so I can share it with all of our community and stuff and just make sure that they know this was such a pleasure and you're so sweet. And I'm so glad that you got to share things, you know, that you've never shared before with me and with your audience. I'm sure they totally appreciate that. And I've just really loved this conversation. It's been so nice. Me too. Thank you so much for being my guest. All right. I'll talk to you soon. That was all for today, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this amazing episode. And just to remind you, Not Basic Blonde podcast is available on all the major platforms with new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. And you can always DM me on Instagram. It's Not Basic Blonde underscore or NBB podcast. And of course, if you haven't, subscribe, rate and review Not Basic Blonde podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. Have a wonderful day.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.